Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 40 through 52, starting in verse 40. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Every year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast, according to the custom. And after the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, Why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. We're going to talk about choices today. We have a lot of choices in life, and it can be hard to narrow things down. Uh, Over Christmas, there was a lot of candies and sweets, and we tell our kids to pick one or two, and that's so hard for them because they want them all. Uh, You go to a store to pick something out. You go to a supermarket to buy some food or some toilet paper even, and there's so many choices. Uh, You go online to shop uh, or just for something to do, and you scroll through social media and websites, and there's so many things to look at and so many choices. There's actually something called decision fatigue. Decision fatigue is when people get worn out by too many choices they have to make each day, too many decisions. Wise people who talk about this say you should make decisions early in your day because you make worse choices as the day goes on and you have to make more and more and more and more choices. That's a lot of little choices that gnaw at us, but we also have big choices. Um, There's a a famous businessman and and life coach, Zig Ziglar, who says, your life is a result of the choices you have made. I buy that. Think about the big choices you have made and how much they have shaped your life. You move to a different city. That choice influences a lot of other choices. You date somebody or marry someone. That determines a lot of other choices. You take a job, you choose a specific school, you have a child. Those all change all the other choices you're going to make. You could go this way or that way. You have to make a choice. And you've probably made choices and thought, that was a great decision. I'm so happy I made that choice. And I'm happy I didn't make the other choice. 
we have choices that we regret. We have choices that have not turned out the way we had hoped. All of us do. Everyone listening today has made choices they regret or choices that did not turn out the way we hoped. We've made choices that hurt us and others. And we have to live with those choices. We've made choices that have helped ourselves and others, and we can celebrate those choices. With all the choices in life, big and small, I want us to come and come to and wrestle with this question. Is there one big choice that we can make that can lead to good in all our other choices? Is there a lead choice or a most important choice that impacts all other choices? Is there a top of the pyramid or a cornerstone choice or an anchor choice that can guide us in all the other choices? Is there a big choice this year, today, that we can make that can guide all the other choices, great and small, uh, in, in good ways in our life? Let me give you one really silly example. Dwight Schrute from the TV show The Office was asked by his boss, Michael Scott, what was the best advice he'd ever given him? And Dwight said, don't be an idiot. And he made that a life mantra. He made it a way to make other choices. He said, whenever I'm about to do something, I ask, would an idiot do that thing? If they would, I do not do that thing. That was his cornerstone choice. Don't do anything an idiot would do. That's, that's not that bad. It, it could probably help us not do a lot of dumb things, but, but it's so negative. I think there's a better, more important, big choice to make to help uh, me and you with all the other choices. So we're gonna look at a story of Jesus where we'll find, where we'll see that he makes one big choice, that he's, he's made one big decision that becomes the foundation and the guide for all the other choices and all the other decisions and all the other ways he's called to live in his life. I'm sharing this story because I believe it can help all of us if we would do the same and make the same choice as Jesus. So I'll share the story. We'll look at the choice Jesus makes and then you can make a choice to do something with this story or not. This story comes from the Gospel of Luke. We'll be in Luke for the next uh, few months. I can't think of a better way to start the year than by focusing on Jesus. That's sort of what we do here. Uh, there's actually a scene in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus tells two young people, James and John, to leave everything and follow him. Uh, and it, it, the scripture says, and I believe it's in Luke 5, when they got their boats back to the shore, they gave up everything and began living like him. We're going to study Jesus in this gospel with the aim of living like him. I believe that living like him is a great way to put the call to follow Jesus. The, the best thing any individual could do with their life is to live like him. So we're looking at him, Jesus. We're going to look at the choice he makes and we can consider whether we will live our own lives living like him. Okay, so let's walk through the story. This is in Luke chapter 2, verse 40 to 51. Jesus is born, he's dedicated in the temple, and then bam, we have this one story of 12-year-old Jesus, and it picks up in verse 40, and it says, the child grew and became strong. This is the child Jesus, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now every year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. So pause here real quick. This is a cultural expectation 
It's a religious pilgrimage that all faithful families made. It's to celebrate, it's, Passover celebrates God delivering his people from slavery and oppression. God saves, he delivers his people into a promised land. So verse 42, when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual to this festival. Now, something to see here, the age is given for an important reason. This is about the bar mitzvah age, or the time when a boy transitions from becoming a, to, to becoming a man in Jewish culture. Bar mitzvah translates son of the commandment. So it's interesting to see, as we've looked at the life of Jesus, who is he the son of? Son of Joseph and Mary, son of the commandments, the son of God. This is a little detail that, that's important. So 43, when the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. Okay, so pause again here. By this time, they're about 20 miles or so away from Jerusalem. They've probably set up camp at nightfall and they can't find Jesus. He's the oldest by now. Uh, They must have a handful of younger kids that they're caring for, and he's probably out and about with other people from his tribe, other kids from his tribe, cousins, right? So this isn't bad parenting. This is the time when they would look for him and realize he's not there. Uh, 45, uh, verse 45, when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. So they find him in the temple. Uh, This is God's house where the presence of God is. And he's asking questions of the teachers and he's listening. And he's asking, right? And 48, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. Do you hear hear what's happening for Mary and Joseph? They believe they're mistreated. This This is essential. There's family strife in this text, right? They're saying, Jesus, you're this kid. How can you treat us like this? There's anxiety. They feel mistreated. They do not understand. There's this accusation towards Jesus. And Jesus responds in verse 49. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Or or some translations say that I must be about my father's business. And and my father's house or business makes a similar point, right? He's saying, I have to be in my father's house. This is my father. I got to be with him. I got to be about his business. I got to be with my father and centered in the things about my father, my father's things over everything else. So Jesus has made a choice, and you quickly see the harsh consequences of this choice. His parents are offended. It causes them anxiety. They feel mistreated. And and this is not a mistake that Jesus has made. He makes no apologies that he's chosen to do this. This is not an absent-minded 12-year-old who forgot to tell his parents where he was, right? This isn't Jesus saying, oh, I forgot. I got so wrapped up in my conversations at the temple that I lost track of time. Where have those three days gone, right? That's not what happened. If your teenager was supposed to be home at 11 on Friday and you find him Monday afternoon at his friend's house, um, his excuse couldn't be, I lost track of time. That wouldn't fly. No, you made a choice to spend that weekend at your friend's house and a choice to not tell your parents, right? But Jesus does not apologize. He, He throws it back on Mary and Joseph. He believes they should know why he did what he did. 
He says, why are you searching for me? He's saying, what, what's wrong with you? What, what, you got something wrong here. Did you not know that this is the choice I have to make? Jesus has made a choice that he's going to live his life centered in God the Father's house and business. And we see this at the age of 12. That's the choice that he makes that will impact every other choice. The Gospels show this over and over again, the adult life of Jesus. He's going to be one with the Father. He's going to connect with the Father, listen to the Father, do things that are part of the God the Father's kingdom. He's going to choose God the Father over his biological family. He makes that clear in several places in Luke, and we'll see them in later chapters. He's going to choose being about God's business over loyalty to his religious traditions and his ethnic identity and over the political empires of his day. He chooses the ways of God his Father over family, religion, politics, and ethnicity. He'll make choices that offend family, Rome, Israel, and his fellow Jews. And that's all because he's anchored to his choice to be about his father's business. And this choice shapes all the other choices and people don't understand. Look at verse 50. But they, his parents, did not understand what he said to them. When he went down with them, then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And this is critical too. This is the end of the, the passage. He honors them. He honors his parents. But it's also clear that his allegiance is to God and it has to be to God. And it says, Mary treasured all these things in her hearts and Jesus increased in wisdom and years and in divine and human favor. So at the heart of this story, we see that Jesus chooses to seek the things of God over every other possible allegiance and then trust that it will lead to wisdom and love of God and people. We see that in this story. It does lead back to honoring his parents, his mother and father. That's the fifth commandment. But the first commandment, to honor God above all else, to have no other gods, uh, is, is Jesus' priority. And this is the choice Jesus makes with his whole life. And there's three things this, this does for Jesus. First, it leads Jesus to live life with a simple, clear purpose. And in some ways, Jesus' life is way more simple than ours. Simpler doesn't mean easier. He has a hard life, but it's a simplified, clear life. He just has to do the Father's business. It's not in every situation would an idiot do that and then don't do it, but in every situation, will this action please the Father? Is this in line with God's ways? Is this seeking the kingdom of my Father? Those are the questions that, that occupy his mind. When you make a choice like Jesus, it does simplify your life. You just choose to do the things you believe God wants you to do. And that's hard to do and easy to say, and easy to say, right? His purpose is clear now in life. Not ultimately, who do I marry or what job do I have, but how will I choose to be about the Father's life and business? How am I going to follow God. Second thing, this choice leads to his death. Let's be abundantly clear about that. This choice that Jesus makes to choose the ways of God over the ways of all the world and over all else leads to death on a cross. So my promise that, hey, it's a really good idea to make the same choice as Jesus isn't, uh, it does not make life all that fun for us, right? 
That's just not true. Jesus tells his followers to make the same choice and it leads to death or at least some intense persecution for all of them. Many make the same choice to choose Jesus over all else today and it often leads to death and persecution for people today too. You have to die to a lot of things to make this choice. You have to die to a lot of other things to choose the Father and his kingdom and his ways over everything else that you could choose to make a priority in life. But this choice also leads to resurrection, new life, and the breaking in of the kingdom of God. It leads to forgiveness, salvation, healing for countless people throughout the centuries. It leads to God's kingdom breaking in in life eternal. This choice leads to the Christian faith reshaping the world over the last 2,000 years. His choice leads to forgiveness, salvation, and new life for you and for all who choose him and his ways. This Jesus calls and invites us to make the same choice. He does this too many times in the gospel for it to be questioned. As you read the scriptures and look at it, he calls people constantly to the same life as his and to make the same choice as him. You are called, you are invited to trust him and to live like him and his father. He tells James and John to leave their nets and follow him. They do and they start living like him. Throughout the gospels, he's telling everyone who hears, he's telling people, uh, the crowds that hear his Sermon on the Mount to not worry about food and clothing and shelter. How can he say those things? That seems so harsh and offensive. And just like he says things like, I set family member against family member or or mother and brother and father. My mother, brother, and father are the ones who will do the will of God. This is offensive stuff. But he says, seek the kingdom. Seek the house of God. Seek the business of God first. Make God the first choice. And the father knows that you need all these other things. He knows that you need shelter and food and clothing and family and community. But Jesus says, seek him first. And those other things will, will sort out. That's a hard choice to make. I can't prove this today, what I'm about to say, but uh, can't take all the time to dive into it. But, but what I believe your family needs most is for you to be about the business and ways of the kingdom of God. And, and choosing family over God will ultimately hurt your family. There's all sorts of caveats to that. I, I can't get into it. It doesn't mean you going to church buildings every night and neglecting your family is the right thing. That, that's not choosing God over family necessarily. It might be you choosing your own self-righteousness or, or trying to make yourself impressive and religious. But anyway, but I believe genuine commitment to God and to the ways of Jesus and the ways of God's kingdom is the best thing for your family, your friends, your spouse, your neighbor. And that, that's the argument I think Jesus is making in, in the gospels. Choose my father's ways and let everything else sort itself out. Jesus says, choose to lose your life for my sake to find it. He does say, make the choice to take up your cross and follow me. He does say a grain of wheat has to die to make many seeds. So you have choices to make. What will we do with this story? What will we do with this? What will you do with this? Can I, can you, can we try to fit Jesus into our life and our commitments? Or do we choose Jesus in the business of his father over all other choices? And let, let's be clear, the, 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 what's put before us is not, will I be a martyr one day if I have to declare my faith in Jesus? It's a real question every day. 
in our life of comfort uh, in America right now? Am I choosing Jesus and living like him in the ways of God over family, over tribe, over tongue, over nation, over politics, pleasure, comfort? Am I choosing that today and every day? Will living like Jesus and being about the things of God be my daily choice that shapes all the other choices about my family, about my country, about my tribe, my job, my career, my marriage? What we choose to deal with Jesus and the business of the Father impacts every choice. And it can't be a secondary choice because then we have other lords in our life. And that is not how Christ will be received. He has to be received as Lord. He cannot be co-pilot. Will we make the choice that Jesus makes? And if we will, what will it look like for us? What will have to change for me and you to make that choice or to live that choice more faithfully this year?